So it's my uh, pleasure to introduce um, Ashwal Jenneke. Uh, he's from Statistics South Africa. Uh, he's got a master's degree in urban and regional sciences from the University of Stellenbosch. I don't know if they still have that course. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, almost 21 years ago. That's how long he's actually been with Statistics SA. So we look forward to his topic, Statistics, Evidence for Policymaking and Implementation. Let's give Ashwell a round of applause as welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I actually studied mathematics and they said if I worked hard I could become an actuary. Um, anyway, that didn't work out. Okay, so I'm, I mean, governance, what was that previous? Governance, risk and compliance. And then after that, statistics. You must have been bad in your previous lives. <laughs> I'm only going to do two things today. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about statistics, uh, how, how we compile it, who's the role players. And then I'm going to give you a couple of examples of the statistics that, we, that we've got. We've got about 260 reports, so I'm only going to take you through three or four things. Um, just the main, main, main things in South Africa. Okay, so who, who are the major role players? We, we talked about trust. I mean, Statistics South Africa, to compile statistics, we need a lot of trust because unlike the IEC who sets up something at a school and you go and vote there, Stats SA comes to your house and they ask you to fill in a form. And in South Africa, we build our houses so that people can't get into the houses. So you need to have a lot of trust for people to open their doors for you to collect statistics. So what we've got is firstly, the president appoints the, our statistician general. So the resultant effect is in the 21 years that I've been there, we've only had two statistician generals where we've had six ministers. So, and that's for the consistency of the system. So you don't want every time a new minister comes, the SG moves. Then what we've also got is a stats council. That's an independent body consisting of private sector, academia, um, NGOs, government, and they advise both the minister and the statistician general on the quality of statistics. And the whole system is built for trust, and, and both in collection and in use. I mean, if people don't trust the statistics, they won't use it. Okay, so where do stats as a play a role? We play a role in outcomes. So you've got input process outcomes. Let me give you an example. So the Department of Housing would build houses. So they use the budget, that's the inputs. The actual house is the output. What we do is we go and measure how many people have got houses. So we ask people, what kind of house do you have? Is it an informal house, a formal house? And that's where we play a role. And we do that in two ways. We do surveys. So we go to about 30,000 households. And that gives us accurate enough uh, information at um, provincial level. Then once every 10 years, we do a census. So the last one was in 2011. The next one will be in 2021. And with the census, we go to each and every household, and we count each and every individual. And the, the good thing about that is then you've got statistics available at the lowest geographic level. So remember surveys, provincial level, census at the lowest geographic level. So that's what we do. Other people like the... Okay, sorry, let me just go back. Other people like the HSRC, and CSIR, they'll look at the impact. They'll look at the impact on housing, on people's lives, whether it's improved or not. We don't do that. We just do objective measures. Okay, so how do we relate to policy? We don't determine policy. We don't give input on policy. We don't determine what policy should be. 
The biggest issues in the country at the moment is poverty, inequality, and unemployment. So what we do as Astats is we say, how do we measure that? We look at the methods for measuring, and then we look at the standards for measuring. If policymakers use it, then you would have that they change their interventions. Okay, so all these interventions also got nothing to do with stats as a we just here on the measurement. Okay, just that's understanding that. How, how do we determine what should be measured? We've got economic side. Economic side has something called SNA 2008. That's the system of national accounts. And then on the social side, we've got the policy framework. So for example, internationally, you've got uh, sustainable development goals. And then locally, what we've got is the NDP. In Africa, we've got Agenda 2063. And what we do is we align all these indicators. So if you can imagine Excel spreadsheet. So there's about, in SDGs, there's about 26, 260 indicators. So you have 17 SDG goals and about 260 indicators. So you've got all those lined up. Then you've got Africa goals, then you've got the NDG. So we then say, how should you measure those? And we look at the gaps at where there's no data available, and we then determine what the program is based on that. Okay. Ah, let's take a breather. So that's the first part done. That's the statistical part. Now let's say you forget all of that, which is possible. This is one thing you should remember, because this is actually quite cool. When you, like at a party on a Friday night, and you, with a glass of wine in your hand, you say, do you know there's 58.78 people in the country? Let's say 59. Don't be so, don't be so <laughs> like an actuary or a statistician here. Let's say, do you know there's 59 million people in the country at the moment? We actually update this figure every year. So every year on the 1st of July, we give you what the population is for the country. And we've released this two weeks ago. And this is how we determine how many people there are. We take last year's 2018 result. We look at the births, so on average, one point, last year we had 1.2 million. It turns out the year before there was also about 1.2 million. Net migration, so people coming in and out of the country, about 200,000 people coming in and out. And then deaths, on average, um, about uh, half a million deaths per year. It's been coming down uh, over the last couple of years. It used to be, I think it turned at about 700,000, so now there's about 500 thousand people dying every year. And this is how you come to 58.8 million people in the country. What's nice about these figures, and you, and, and you guys might appreciate that, when we release the mid-year estimates, we also project up to 2030. So for, so for all population groups, for all districts, um, for certain age cohorts, you would have how many people there are now and how many people there would be in 2030. And I think that's quite cool, and it's quite um, good to have that sort of thing. What this slide tells you is that we're a predominantly young population. Now, in the world, when you're a young population, there's something called a demographic dividend. Now, that says if you're less children and less old people, then you've got mostly people working. So countries who've got a demographic dividend is actually countries that, that does well. But there's two things, and, and that's probably... So this is good. This is good news. We've got young people in the country. As long as they work and as long as they're qualified, that's excellent for our country. So what do we see? The biggest three things we, we, we're interested in South Africa is poverty, inequality, that's according to the NDP, and, and related to that is unemployment. We found that the biggest driver of poverty is unemployment. So let's look at poverty. Let's look at how do we measure poverty. So it's poverty and inequality. So, okay, a little bit of maths here. We've got the X, X is here, we've got the Y. 
X is the number of people. Each of these bubbles represents a municipality. Okay, so this is Masinga. The, in 2001, 60% uh, of the people in Masinga were, were classified as poor. And on, on the y-axis, you've got the intensity. So that's how, how, how hard do people feel poverty. So on the one hand, how many people are poor within the municipality? And on the other hand, how, how, how strong do they feel it? Okay, so let's start moving. Let's go up to 20, 2011. So you can see what's happening in the country. It's interesting. We, we, we seem to be reducing poverty headcount. So that's, that's not bad. The only thing is the people who, who are still poor, they, they, they're not moving down. Just check Cape Town out. That's the blue. That's the red one, the big red bottle. Okay, let's move on. You see what's happening in Cape Town. It goes a little bit down, and that's what's supposed to happen. So you're supposed to, re if you reduce poverty, you must reduce the headcount and the intensity. Then it works. But look at the other ones. Let's just go back one. Especially look at the blue ones. Uh, blue ones is Eastern Cape. Notice what's happening to the blue ones. They're actually moving a little bit away from the, so intensity. So, in, so, so what's happening is we're reducing the number of people that's poor. But the ones who stay behind who are still poor is feeling it harder now. You can think about ourselves here in Gauteng. We earn such a lot of money, but uh, I had to borrow money for parking this morning. So, uh, so things are becoming more and more expensive. I mean, petrol is becoming more, more expensive. means food is becoming more, more expensive. So those people who stay behind are still poor. The intensity which they feel it is more. And that's why you've got the, the service strikes and things like that. Okay, that's poverty. What's the biggest drivers of poverty? One is unemployment. I mean, unemployment is, is the biggest thing why people are poor is because they're unemployed and the years of schooling and because they, they're not educated. So let's look at those two things. Let's look at those two statistics. Let's look at employment. Okay, so this is in the last, in fact, 29% is what um, was released two, three weeks ago. And this is the highest unemployment rate that we've had since um, somewhere here. 2003, 2003, the first quarter, that was, okay, we've only been, we've been measuring it quarterly from 2008, but before that we had, um, uh, we measured it twice a year, but 2003 was the last time we hit 29%, so 29% of the people are officially unemployed, and that uh, roughly translates into 6.7 million people that's unemployed. Now, but this is a more alarming figure because 6.7 million people are officially unemployed, but there's about 3 point something million who's not, who's not waking up anymore to go and look for work. So in the expanded definition, which I think is about 38% now, so 10.2 million people is what is then on the expanded definition unemployed. So officially 6.7 million people unemployed, but then there's 3 point something million people who doesn't bother to wake up to go and look for work anymore. Remember to be employed, you only had to work an hour in the last seven days. So it's not really difficult to be employed. Um, if you think about, I mean, the people that you would know, some of them are really rich. And if they work an hour, they earn a lot of money. Um, but, I mean, there's gardeners that work an hour. So... So think about these numbers. These are people that's really doing nothing the whole week. 
And it's especially alarming in places like Limpopo because it looks like the official unemployment rate is low, but there's as many people, if there's more people that's not going out to look for work. And you need to do anything. I mean, just putting your number, your phone number in a database or standing next to the road, anything. Um, so that's sort of bad for us. Another statistics which is alarming is in this age category, 15 to 24. It's called NEAT. So it's not in employment, not in education. And what's the other T? Not in employment, not in education, not in training. So can you imagine, this is now 15 to 24. You must either be at school or at university. So these people are just doing nothing. So they're not, they're not doing anything. There's 3.3 million of them. That's not good. Okay, so, so remember the two biggest drivers of poverty is um, unemployment and education. So let's look at education. Finish now with unemployment, let's look at education. So what we see in South Africa, we've got quite good transition from primary school to secondary school. So it means, if, if that's 100%, this is age, 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 age group below here. So almost all kids are in primary school, which is very good. Then from primary school, almost everyone goes to high school. I mean, some stay a little bit long, but that's not our, that's not the biggest of our problems. This is, this is where our problem is, because this is the 3.3 million people we're talking about. And this is what's, what's a problem for us in South Africa. These, some of the people go to Tivit colleges and university, but really not the bulk of people. And, and, and remember when I started off, I said we were a young population. So young population is excellent, but if that young population is not in education or employment or in training, then that's a, it spells disaster. Because then you've got a lot of young people not being able to do anything, also not employable. Okay, why are people not in school? Okay, I didn't want to do that. Okay, some haven't got money, others don't perform. But there's, there's quite, quite an interesting thing around family commitments which hits females much worse than it hits males. I mean, 14.4% females, it's either pregnancy or they have to look at the, at the people at home. And, and males doesn't, doesn't uh, that doesn't affect males so badly. But there's another situation which, is, which I, I would want to classify as a cultural problem, where males say education is useless. So there's many reasons in South Africa why our kids doesn't go to school, but also the issue of, I mean, my son is a soccer player. He also thinks education is not <laughs> going to get him anywhere. So I'm struggling. Okay, so this is why people don't go to school. If you look at skilled employment in 1994, I mean, this is uh, one of our problems in South Africa is inequality. So you can see there's clearly, between the race groups, there's clearly more white people are in skilled employment, uh, Indians less, coloreds and blacks sort of roughly the same. What happens when you move on to 2017? You can see whites are improving, Indians are catching up quite fast. Uh, coloreds are sort of not, not much is happening there. Look at this category here, 15, 25 to 35. And remember that black, black African is 80% 80, 80 of our population in South Africa. So the bulk of our population is sort of sitting here, and they've regressed. So, so it used to be 18%, now it's 14%. So we've got less skilled employment amongst our black African population, which is, something, which is, which is not good. 
What do we see in terms of uh, uh, average income? White people, much more average income, almost 100,000 rand between what they spend and what they earn. Uh, African black people, about 25,000 between what they, what they spend and what they earn. And you can see the inequality is still quite clearly there. People sometimes say we shouldn't ask race anymore in the census because they say it's, um, it's discriminatory. It's discriminatory to ask race. I think it's discriminatory not to ask because then you won't know this. Okay, well, uh, let's think about it. So we've got poverty and inequality, then you've got employment and education. How do we fix this? I mean, the NDP says unless we grow at 5% or more, we won't be able to create enough jobs. So let's look at what our economy is doing at the moment. Okay, for the last quarter, we've been hitting minus 3.2%. So things are not, not, not looking good uh, now at the moment. What's happened since, uh, let's say, 1961? We've, we've had quite good years. Um, and then, then at, at this stage, wh what did we have? The world economic crisis in 2008. Um, but before that, we had quite a lot of recessions. But sort of since 1994, we had two recessions. Now we've got, I mean, we've, we've had this 3.2 dip here. So our economy generally is not doing what it should be doing. Look at the 5% mark. So you want to, at some stage here, we were growing above the 5% mark, which was quite good. I mean, the world was also doing quite well then. But um, we've, the last couple of years, we haven't been doing too well economy-wise. Okay, so this is, this is the industries in which we're not growing too well. I'm not going to talk too much about that. Um, what, what industries have been uh, most contributing to our GDP? We see we used to be a manufacturing state. Now manufacturing is sort of fourth in line. So it gives, this gives you a sense of what sort of uh, skills we might need in South Africa based on, on what is the biggest contributor to our economy. Okay, so finance and business services, that's the biggest contributors. Now, what's interesting here, although agriculture and construction, for example, is very low, um, you mustn't write them off in terms of what their contribution to employment is. Okay, this is just showing the inequality in terms of Gauteng economy much larger than the rest of the country. I mean, more than a third of the economy is sitting in Gauteng. But I want to get to this. Because if we want to create employment in the country, we need to see where people are employed. Now, if you look at agriculture's contribution to the GDP, not very high, but it does generate uh, more jobs than, than, than what its contribution to the GDP is, similar to construction. And remember, there's 3.3 million people without any skills. So we need to start thinking about if we want to generate jobs, if we want to create or, or build the country, we need to generate jobs in the areas where you might not need that much skills. Okay, uh, last two slides. Annually we produced, this year, this financial year, we had 260 uh, reports that we put out. So almost every day of the year we put out a report. And so it doesn't matter what you do or what, what, what sort of project you're busy with, the question you should be asking yourself is, okay, what statistics have they got available on this? Because these are all the areas we've got statistics on. So you should regularly go and check, see what's available, what's coming out. What's coming out this week? Um, also, when it comes to the st statistics nowadays, you've got um, it's got social media. Um, so we we don't we don't have the 
what's the word, on the truth. We don't have the monopoly. We don't have the monopoly on the truth anymore because everyone is now a statistician and everyone puts out data. So when you look at statistics and data, you need to sort of ask the questions. Uh, we've got something called the South African Statistical Quality Assessment Framework. So you need to ask the questions. I mean, how is this compiled? Um, what's the sample size? What's the accuracy? Is it going to come out again? What's the timeliness? And, and what's the methodology that they apply in using this? And these are the sorts of questions that, that you should go through your mind as you engage in some of the statistics. Thank you very much. Ashwan, thank you very much. Um, any questions for Ashwan? Looks like he's got the statistics on his fingertips. I see Alex is there straight out of the, out of the gate. Well, since you have the statistics at the top of your fingers, I'm just sort of uh, intrigued and I'd like to just take this opportunity. Uh, you said 58.78 million people. That's not just citizens, that's all residents. So do you know offhand how many uh, people from other countries are resident in the country? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> next question. There's uh, 3.6 million. Uh, in our last estimate, the last time we counted them was uh, 20, 2011. But so we're estimating, because every year you now need to take into account people are coming, people are leaving. But at the moment, we're estimating there's 3.6 million people born outside South Africa. Um, if, if I may, just an, another question. Um, very, very long ago, when I was at university, Stats SA um, got a bad press for making use of aerial photos for their census of informal settlements. And I'd just mm. be interested, you said you're using um, uh, each and every house that you visit. Do you do that with informal settlements as well? Yeah. Yeah, so what we do is, uh, we've got something, the equivalent of a puzzle. So each, um, if you take the whole of South Africa, we divide the whole country up in something called an enumerator area. So each enumerator area contains about 150 to, to 200 households, depending on how sparse it is. And what we then do is we appoint for each enumerator area an enumerator. So in total, we're going to appoint about 160,000 people when we do the census. This time around, we're going to give them each a tablet to go around. In, um, in um, informal settlements, sometimes a bit difficult because what happens, especially the tin roof, sometimes reflects the, the aerial things and you can't exactly see, but we still, to the best of our ability, count uh, as many rooftops as you can see. Uh, sometimes you get it wrong and people get there and they saw one rooftop, but there's like six families staying there, but it's fine. It's still much better than trying to take an aerial photography, uh, t going the aerial photography route to, to count, and especially black people at the time was counted by aerial photographs. Yeah. There was another hand. Thank you for your presentation. Thank you. Um, I have two questions. My first question is, um, Criminals these days like to um, pretend that um, they do other stuff, so to come and deliver something or to come fix something. So they might pretend they're from the census. So how, what's the risk mitigation around that? That's the first question. 
You want me to answer that? Okay. You know what we were thinking of doing is is like the maybe not the DA or the ANC, but we were thinking of putting posters up because each each um, each enumerator area of 150 households has got its own enumerator. So the last time around, we thought, let's put a poster up of your enumerator so that you can see this is going to be my guy. Didn't work so well because the time between training and actually when, because only after you train them, then you know who you're going to use. Um, but this time around, what we're working on early is, um, is a sort of identification system where you can either phone in or you can check the website. So the guy can give you his card, and then you can check the website, and you can phone the call center to say, whoever is here, the, is, is, is this picture that's, that I'm seeing on the iPad, is it the same person that's here? So we're going to still try the, 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 the thing on the, on, the, on the, like the poster, like the DA and the ANC does, where you've got your candidates, so you know this is your enumerator. That will be the coolest thing for us, but we're not sure if we're going to get it right because the logistics of doing 150,000 pictures and putting it out to the whole country, well, we couldn't get it right the last time. I'm not sure if we're going to get it right this time, but if not, we'll have electronic means where you can check. Okay, and then the second question is, um, you know, technology is changing everything. We're living in the fourth industrial revolution. So do you see that that will have an impact on the way that you guys do census or count this stuff or yes mm. we, we 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 definitely using multimodal this time around where we're using paper and uh not paper sorry we're using something called CAPI, computer assisted personal interviewing and then we've got web assisted personal interviewing so we we're going to give people the option of um, of doing via the web, and we're going to send people around with um, gadgets. Because the nice thing about the gadgets is the data going to the to the server room immediately, and you can release uh, under a year. What's interesting, New Zealand did the same, and their chief statistician just resigned last month because it was an absolute disaster. And <laughs> I can't understand how do they not manage it because there's only four million people in New Zealand, but, <laughs> so, so, uh, but be that as it may, so they use multimodal, but they cut down tremendously on the budget because they said people will fill in the questionnaire themselves, and that part worked very well, but a lot of the, especially Maori people, didn't necessarily have the, the internet and all of those, uh, but we are going to have multimodal uh, ways of, of completing the census. More individuals. Here you go. Ashwell, thanks so much for uh, sharing your time and, and that knowledge with us. Um, you mentioned that uh, your methodology predominantly based on surveys, and you also mentioned uh, the advent of technology and social media that Statista is not necessarily the single source of truth anymore. So I'm wondering. Uh, whether internally at StatsSA there's a lot of conversations going on about potential partnerships with, um, with other companies, so not necessarily only social media, but if we think about large telcos, you know, uh, Yusuf's um, presentation earlier about uh, mobile pres uh, penetration and so forth, uh, whether going that route um, might, be, might be better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, something that's very interesting 
all of us have got cell phones, and some of us have even got two cell phones. And there's a GIS company who does um, cell phone recording. So they, they look at where cell phones sleep at night and where it works during the day, which is quite cool because now you can see the movement of cell phones, which can help you with migration. But we've almost got 100% penetration of cell phones, which means that you could at some stage, if you figured out how many cell phones per person there is, you could count the population much more often without actually going out. So we are looking at, at those sort of things as um, to see how you can use, you use big data. And the, 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 the problem, however, statisticians are very conservative. They, they absolutely hate these sorts of ideas. And um, if you say cell phones are a great way to count people, they say that's rubbish. Uh, that's not going to work. And there's too many cell phones, too few cell phones. But if we can get over that, and you could, um, an another thing, for example, is to go to Pick and Pay and, and ask them to just download all their data for us. And instead of us going with price collectors, you could and, and you could parallel do this for a long time to just see how the data compares. But we are there is some groups in 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 Stats are looking at we call it a data revolution, and they're looking at how things are changing. Ashwell, I always enjoy a, a good presenter who knows his material, well prepared, comes from a reputable organization, so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I could have been an actuary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, question which I want to ask you is, um, how do you and the, the office in general view your counterparts in other countries and the quality of the statistics that are being produced in other countries? Yeah. Um, <laughs> In, in, the, in the statistics community, you've got sort of your, your top five. So our statistician general is very involved with the UN and the OECD countries, but you have got Canada is one of the best ones, um, Sweden, um, Australia used to be great. We used to learn a lot from New Zealand. Uh, this last thing is now sort of throwing us out a little bit. Uh, Mexico, interestingly, and, and Brazil. Because what they have done is they've integrated geography and statistics, whereas geography, statistics, and computers. So their CITA, their Surveyor General, and the statistics is one organization, which we think is a quite is a, is a powerful model. Because when if, if people can start seeing statistics geogra geographically, I mean it will it will make a lot more sense than just looking at tables and numbers. So we're sort of also looking at that. So. We, we, we would like to think we're one of the, 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 the top ones in, in the world. And definitely around dissemination, we, 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 we're doing pretty well. But also we're struggling in terms of budget. So, so it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Okay. Cool. One more at the back. Uh, thanks, Ashwell. Um, just a question regarding unemployment. Um, I recall the numbers seeing, seeing it as 29 percent, the strict definition. And then for a couple of years I've monitored the more expanded definition of unemployment. That figure is 39 percent. Now from an accuracy perspective, I always thought, how do you accurately determine that difference between 29 and 39 percent? How does Stats SA know people have given up on searching for employment? Isn't the more accurate thing to do? Uh, to report the 39% as our official unemployment rate. 
Um, what do other countries do in this regard? Um, you, I mean, you actually ask people, have you made any effort? And if they say they haven't made any effort, then, then according to the ILO, you must classify them as, as unemployed, but not officially unemployed. So one is for comparison, comparison reasons. I've recently, recently read an article which says in South Africa, the officially unemployed and the, what do you call it, the expanded is the same. Because the, the, the author was making the argument that in South Africa, people don't choose not to be unemployed. I mean, the reason why they, well, they don't choose not to look for, for work, they, they discourage. That's why they don't look for work. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a policy decision which one you use for, for your what, whatever purposes. Um, but for measurement purposes, we need to use, we need to tell you that these guys are officially unemployed. These guys are unemployed according to the expanded definition. How you use it, I mean, we don't say you should use this one or you should use that one. For government purposes, I mean, we are as worried about the official as the expanded definition. So there's no, we don't say it's only 29. I mean, only 29 is already a hell of a lot. Um, but we don't say it's only this or it's only that. Thanks. Hi, Ashwal. Sorry, over here. Okay, no problem. Um, just one of the other things that's been published quite a lot is the erosion of capital per GDP, well, effectively GDP per capita with population growth exceeding um, GDP growth. Um, when you start bringing that into the unemployment statistics and you know looking at sort of a more real uh, view of uh, be it sort of racial group um, employment, what does that picture start looking like? I don't know. I thought someone's going to ask a question that I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I don't know about the um, the GDP and the unemployment. I don't understand your question as well. You're saying that um, if you compare GDP unemployment race. No, no, so it's, it's around the population growth aspect. Mm. So obviously population growth, you're, in an ideal world, you'd want population growth and GDP growth to be close to each other. And that would then obviously trickle down into jobs. So okay. you would expect your employment, you know, in a parity type of situation, your employment would then grow with it. Yeah. But we're obviously in a different situation um, where the two are inverted. So we're actually losing jobs by and large. And coupled with employment growth, that's going to then push out the employment rates. Oh, yeah. sorry, unemployment rates rather. Yeah, it's exactly that, because what, what we see is that our, our growth over the last time has just been very low. I mean, it's also inconsistent, so we, we're not having consistent growth over time. Um, this last quarter, in fact, which we are now, the trade figures are showing a little bit better, so maybe I'm hoping that it's going to be slightly better. Um, the big thing for us is we don't have skills, and our skills is not is not equally distributed. I mean, it, it is, there's a racial component to skills. And, we, and our skills doesn't match the economy that we've got. So, so when you look at, we've got a lot of service sector and you need highly skilled people to, 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 to perform there. So what you see is we've got a total mismatch between the number of people that we've got, their skills level, and the type of economy that we've got in South Africa. So although statistics doesn't go into policy type of things, 
but you need to think about a totally different model. And if you look at employment, I mean, it's always been above 25% since the first time we measured it quarterly. So you need to, from a policy point of view, you would need to look at creating jobs totally almost in a different place where the, the economy would naturally create jobs. So you need to create, what do you call it, a Cajun type of intervention uh, in terms of our economy where you spend money in maybe agriculture, maybe construction, whatever people can, wherever people can find jobs. Okay? Good. Anyone else? That one's, too, that one's too difficult for me. I'm just a... <laughs> Any easier questions for Ashwell? <laughs> cool. I think I'm going to call it here. So, um, Ashwell, thank you very, very thank much you. for your presentation. So I'm going to leave you with two, um, that, that Bry kind of analogy made me think of some pickup lines. So I'm going to leave you with some pickup lines. Um, you know, there's some resentment here between statisticians and actuaries and you wishing to be one. So maybe it's one, I don't know. So um, I've turned that first statement of yours into a pickup line. One nation, 58.784932 people, what are the odds of me ending up with you? <laughs> and the other one, I think, I don't want to offend, but uh, I've never heard statistics sound so dirty. I've got your prior here. Could you give me your likelihood? Because I really appreciate your posterior. 